السلام علیکم ورحمۃ اللہ نحمد الکریم اما بعد فعود بلّہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربش رحلی صدری ویسرلی امری وحل العقدم السانی یقہ قولی ربنا زدنا علما Let's begin our lesson, inshallah. Surah Al-Baqarah will begin from ayah number 186. وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ And when he asks you, سَأَلَ سُؤَال سِينَ هَمْزَ لَام And سُؤَال is to question, to ask. So when he asks you, Who does you refer to? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Who asks you? Ibadi, my servants. Meaning the servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibad is a plural of abd. Now all people, all the creation, whether living or non-living, whether obedient or disobedient, all creation is what? The servants of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Remember, Every single one of us is a servant of Allah. Because we were created for what? For the worship of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who owns us? Allah owns us. Just like a master owns his slave, likewise Allah owns every single one of us. So whether we obey or we don't, whose servants are we? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's. But over here Allah says, And when my servants ask you, Anni about me. Why does He say my servants? Meaning, my servants, those who prove, those who show that they are my servants, those who live like my servants. You know, one person could be working at a firm, and the way they're working, they're just clocking and clocking out, they're just coming, barely doing their work, leaving, And they're not really a good worker. Okay? But there's another person who is working with dedication, with honesty. He's doing whatever he's supposed to. And he stays extra time. He comes early. What does it show? That he is a very good worker. He has a very good work ethic. And likewise, amongst people are those who are worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the manner that they should worship, and there are others who are not worshipping in that manner. So, ibadi, Allah calls my servants. To who? Those who live like the servants of Allah. Those who prove that they are worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So when my servants ask you, O Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, anni about me, and anni is a combination of an and ni, an meaning about, and ni meaning me. So when they ask you about me, what does it mean by this? They ask the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam about Allah. What kind of question? What about Allah do they ask? That how close is Allah? How near is Allah? Does He hear our prayers? Does he know when we ask him, when we beg before him? Does he respond to our du'as? When people ask you about me, then فَإِنِّي قَرِيب Then indeed I am near, I am very close. قَرِيب قَافْ رَابَ قُرْب قُرْب is to be very near, to be close, closeness. So فَإِنِّي قَرِيب I am very very near. We learned that once the companions, some of them, they asked the Prophet ﷺ, That how should we make dua to Allah? Should we 
make dua, should we supplicate in a very low voice, like whisper, or just say it in our hearts? Or should we say it out loud, like really out loud, because Allah is you know, above the seven heavens, up on His arsh, so should we be really loud in the manner that we call upon Him? So some people ask the Prophet ﷺ about that. So this is the answer that Allah revealed. That when people ask you about me, that do I listen to their prayers? Do I respond to their prayers? Do I hear them? Then what's the answer that you should give to them? That I am indeed very near. I am very close. I am not too far. And this is the reason why when we make dua to Allah, then we should not yell. We should not be too loud. Because we know that once the companions, they were traveling, and as they were going up and down the mounds, the dunes, they would say, Allahu Akbar, as they were ascending very loudly. So they were saying it out loud, like very loudly. Not like Allahu Akbar, Allahu Akbar, extremely loud. So when the Prophet ﷺ, he heard that, he said, O oh people, be merciful to yourselves. Meaning, take it easy. Don't be so loud. For you are not calling someone who is deaf or someone who is absent. No, your Lord hears and your Lord is ever present. But you are calling the one who is all here and the all seer. Meaning, as-samir al-basir. And the one whom you call is closer to one of you than the neck of his animal. Because imagine they were riding their animals and as a person is sitting on an animal, the neck of the animal is very close to him. So just as this is very close to you, likewise Allah is even closer to you. And in the Qur'an we learn that وَنَحْنُ أَقْرَبُ إِلَيْهِمْ مِنْ حَبْلِ الْوَرِيدِ That Allah is closer to us than even our jugular vein. So فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ I am indeed very near. What does it mean by this? It means that Allah is very near to us in His knowledge, His mercy, in His kindness, in His affection, in His hearing. That Everything we do, He knows about it. Everything we feel deep down inside, He knows about it. Everything that's happening within our bodies that even we don't see, even we have no idea about. Who sees that? Allah sees that. What we whisper in our hearts, what we talk about in our minds, who hears that? Allah hears that. In other words, nothing at all is hidden from Allah. Even our most private, even our most intimate actions, even our most private conversations, those feelings that we conceal inside of our hearts, who knows that, who hears that? Allah hears that. فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ I am indeed very, very near. And if you think about it, when a person is in sajda, meaning when a person is prostrating in salah, when a person has put his head on the ground and his hands on the ground, he's so close to the earth. And that position is the closest that a person can be to who? To Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And when you are in sajda, how are you talking? Out loud? Not at all. You're whispering. So much so that a person who could be doing sajda right next to you has no idea about what you're saying. But who hears that? Allah knows that. فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ So indeed I am very near, I am very close. And why does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say that فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ To tell us that أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِ أُجِيبُ I respond to From جِيمُ وَوْبَى أَجَابَ يُجِيبُ It means to respond, to answer. So I answer, I respond to what? دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ The da'wah 
The call of a da'i, the caller. إِذَا دَعَانِي When he calls upon me. Notice the repetition of the word da'wa. دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِي It's from the root letters دَالْ عَيْنْ وَاو And da'a yadru is to call someone. To call someone. So da'wa call. Da'i is fa'il meaning one who calls. And da'a he called. So I respond to the call of the caller when he calls upon me. It's obvious that da'wah, the call, the prayer, will be made by who? The one who is praying. But why is it mentioned that I respond to the prayer of the one who prays when he calls upon me? When he calls upon me. Why is this mentioned? Because a person makes du'as in different states, or rather his du'a can be different from one du'a to the other. When a person is making du'a, at one occasion, he is very much into it. Meaning he means everything that he's saying. Every word that he's uttering. He means it. He's desperately asking Allah for what he wants. He's begging Allah for forgiveness. His heart is ever present. He's praying to Allah with fear, with humility. And he really means what he's asking for. And another du'a could be that a person is making du'a, but then... All of a sudden he's like, what was I saying? What was I saying? What part was I saying? Like, we're so used to saying our salah that sometimes we're saying, Allahumma salli ala Muhammadin wa ala Ali Muhammad. And we don't know if we said wa ala Ali Ibrahim or wa ala Ali Muhammad. Because we're not paying attention. We are making dua to Allah. But are we really into it? No, we're not. Are we begging Allah for what we're asking? No, we're not. So there's a difference, right? Sometimes we are very much into our prayers, and other times we are not that much into our prayers. So when Allah says, "Ujibu da'wata da'i ida da'ani," ida da'ani means that when He is into that prayer, when He is really making that prayer with the presence of His heart, with fear, with humility, He is begging. So when a person makes a sincere du'a. When a person sincerely calls upon Allah, realizing that only Allah can respond to him, only Allah can help him, only Allah can take him out of his problem, then what happens? Allah will respond to him. You know, sometimes we are going through a problem, and yeah, we raise up our hands every other day, and we're like, yeah, Allah, please make it easy for me. Please solve this problem for me. And then there are other times when we are forced to come to the ground, forced to pray to Allah, and we're crying, and we're weeping, and we're begging Allah, and we realize that no one can help us but who? But Allah. No one can take us out of that problem except for Allah. So when a person makes dua in that way, then Allah says, أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دعان. Then I respond to him. Many times we complain, that I'm making dua, but I don't feel that my duas are answered. I don't feel that my prayers are heard. Why? Because perhaps we're not saying them. We're not saying them the way that we should be saying. We're not asking the way we should be asking. Think about it yourself. If somebody asks you, may I please have this? May I please have that? And you know that they don't really mean it. Then what do you do? You ignore them. 
But when a person is looking at you in the eye, and they're like, you know what, I really need this thing. Can you get that for me? Please, can you pass that on to me? Then what do you do? You immediately respond. You know when a person is serious, and when a person is not serious. If this is a matter with us human beings, then obviously Allah knows the state of the heart of every person. We only judge people on their appearance, but Allah knows the state of the heart of every single person. So, أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِي When He calls upon me. So what do we learn from this? If we want our du'as answered, then what do we have to do? Then what do we have to do? Huh? Really, sincerely make du'a. Sincerely make du'a. Ask Allah. In a hadith Qudsi we learn, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that أَنَا عِنْدَ ظَنِّ عَبْدِي بِي وَأَنَا مَعَهُ إِذَا دَعَانِي أَنَا عِنْدَ ظَنِّ عَبْدِي بِي I am as my servant thinks I am and I am with my servant when he calls upon me. Meaning when my servant truly calls upon me then I respond to him, then I hear him. I don't waste his prayer. So then what should we do? Allah says فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي People, what should they do? They realize that Allah is near. Whatever you say, He will hear you. But when you really mean something, then He will accept it. So, فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا Same root as أُجِيبُوا جِيم وَوْبَى From istijaba. And you see the additional letters? سِينْ أَنْتَ As opposed to أَجَابَ أُجِيبُوا there was no sinanta over there. But in falyastajibu, there's sinanta. The sinanta, just like in the word nasta'een, istikhara. The sinanta gives a meaning of seeking something. So for example, nasta'een, we seek, we ask for your own, for your help. Istikhara, that you're asking Allah for khair. Istighfar, you're asking Allah for maghfira, for forgiveness, for pardon. Alright? So sometimes, sinanta, bab istifal, it gives the meaning of seeking. But other times, it also gives the meaning of mubalagha. What does mubalagha mean? That when an action is done excessively, or when something is done with a lot of emphasis. Alright? So, fal yastajibuli, they should really respond to me. How do you respond to someone with mubalagha excessively or in a really strong way? How? That you submit to them. That you surrender to them. That you give your everything to them. You know, one is that a mother, she sees her child crying and she's like, okay, what do you want? She just takes a rattle and she shakes it in front of the child and she continues, you know, reading on her cell phone. Okay, is that really responding to the need of the child? No, you're just getting by, right? The other is that the child is crying and you leave what you're doing and you surrender yourself to the child, meaning, what do you want? And the mother looks at the child, okay, what does she need? What does he need? How can I help him? How can I comfort him? She picks up the child, you know, rocks him or nurses him or gives him something. So there's a difference. So, فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي Meaning they should surrender themselves to me. They should really submit to me. They should respond to me wholeheartedly. 
Not that when they feel like praying, they pray. When they want to make dua, they make dua. And other times, they don't even remember Allah. They do dhikr when they feel like. And most of the time, they neglect Allah. They don't even think about Allah. This is not فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُولِ In other words, if we want our du'as to be accepted, then we have to have a very strong connection with our Lord. We have to have a very strong bond, friendship, love has to be there. Not that a person feels far and distant from Allah, and he expects that if he will make du'a, it will be responded to immediately. There are some people who when they make du'a, it is accepted. And there are others who when they make du'a again and again and again, they don't even feel that their du'a is being heard. Why? Because one person, his connection with his Lord is much stronger compared to the other. He feels that when he's talking, when he's making du'a, he's actually talking to his Lord. And there's another person who, when he says the du'a, he doesn't have any feelings, no emotion, no nothing. So فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي If we want our du'as to be accepted, then we better surrender ourselves to our Lord. We must obey Him. Not just in the matter of salah, but in every aspect of our lives. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي And also وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي And they should believe in me. Iman. Meaning they should trust me. They should have this trust that when they're making dua, Allah will respond. They should have this yaqeen that when they're begging Allah for something, Allah will not deprive them. And we see that when the Prophet ﷺ, when he was at the battle of Badr, the first battle that happened between the Muslims and the Mushrikeen, And we know that the Muslims were only 300 in number. Only 300. And the mushrikeen, the enemy was how much? A thousand. Apparently there's no comparison between these two armies. The Prophet ﷺ had done his best to gather up all of the resources, all the people, whatever they could do, they did. But then the Prophet ﷺ was also making dua to Allah. And we know that he prayed to Allah with so much humility, with so much determination, that Abu Bakr was saying that enough, O Prophet ﷺ, you've made a lot of dua, enough. Because he was standing with his arms raised up, with his hands up, and he was so immersed in that dua that he didn't even realize that his upper garment fell. So Abu Bakr ﷺ, he felt pity for the Prophet ﷺ that you're taking it too hard, that he said enough. So this is the way that the Prophet ﷺ used to pray to Allah. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي Trusting in Allah that only Allah can respond. Only Allah can answer our prayers. Only Allah can alleviate the pain. Only Allah can solve this problem. Only Allah can come to our rescue. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي If we want our du'as to be accepted, then we should have this attitude with our Lord. We should have a strong connection. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ So that they are rightly guided. They should respond to Allah. They should trust in Allah. Why? So that they are rightly guided. يَرْشُدُونَ رَاشِينَ رُشْد What does رُشْد mean? Right guidance. But huda, hidayah is also guidance. What's the difference between رُشْد and huda? How is رُشْد different? What's so special about رُشْد? Rushd is basically to become firm upon the right guidance. 
to become firm upon the right guidance. That it's not just when a person prays, he's doing something that is of guidance, but even when he's talking to people, even when he's interacting with them, even when he's doing some work, whether it is you know, managing his worldly work or whatever it may be, even in that, he is doing what is right. Any action that you do, there's a right way of doing it and a wrong way of doing it. A good way of doing it and a better way of doing it. Correct? Every action can be done in a much better way. So, all of us want improvement. All of us want that whatever we do, we do it in the best way. So that we see the results of that action, of that effort, that none of our efforts go waste. So, how do we do this? That whatever we do is done in the best way? By having a strong connection with our Lord Azza by praying to Allah, by asking Him at every single step. Because sometimes what we do is, we only call upon Allah when we are in difficulty, when things are not working out. But we should call upon Allah at every step of the way. And you know, the Prophet ﷺ, he taught the Sahaba istikhara, that they should ask Allah for khair in everything they do, like he would teach them other things, other normal things. That it is as important as other things. So when a person asks Allah at every single step, then he is rightly guided. That sometimes we are making our dua, it's so dry, it doesn't have any flavor in it, no, you know, honestly, there's no life in it, it's so dead, it's so meaningless. I mean, if you were to make such a request in front of a person, they'd be like, okay, whatever. And we expect that, you know, when we call upon Allah in that way, Allah will respond to our duas immediately. She's mentioning that one thing that has helped her make dua, you know, with sincerity, with fear, with humility, you know, really meaning what she's saying, what she's asking for is when she calls upon Allah with His names. And this is what Allah says, وَلِلَّهِ الْأَسْمَاءُ الْحُسْنَى فَدْعُوهُ بِهَا Allah has the most beautiful names, the most excellent names, so call upon Allah through those names. So for example, when you want that you're safe or you want protection against something, then you say, Allah al-wali, meaning my protector, my friend, protect me. When you're asking Allah for children, Oh Allah al-khaliq, the creator, al-muhi, the one who gives life, give me children. So asking Allah, how? Through His names. Because that helps you mean what you say. And when you do it like that, then your dua will be accepted. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي And when a person calls upon Allah through his names, and he really trusts on Allah, he really believes that only Allah can give that to you. Only Allah can help me. Only Allah can respond to me. That we see here that, وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي And when my servants ask you about me, then فَإِنِّي قَرِيب I am near. If you notice the response, it hasn't been said, فَقُلْ إِنِّي قَرِيب Then say that I am near. That you become the connection between people and Allah. No. What happens is that we start asking people, can you make dua for me? Can you make dua for me? Or we think that if we ask other people, then only our du'as will be accepted. But what do we see? That Allah is close to every single one of us. If we want our du'as to be accepted, we must call upon Allah directly. Directly. Because He is very near to you. 
Yes. Yes. Yes, that we see that when a person calls upon Allah, then qareeb, Allah is qareeb. And you know, if you're whispering to someone, you're asking someone for something, and if they're too far away, do they understand what you're saying? What you're asking for? No. You know, suppose your mother, she is in another country, and you're going through a problem, and you're discussing with your mom, what should I do? What do you think I should? I don't know, maybe you should do this, maybe you should try that. Because she cannot see what you're going through. And even if she sees, she doesn't fully understand. She may not fully understand. But who sees? Who fully understands? Who knows what even you don't realize? Allah. So فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ Allah is very near. So call upon Him. And when you make dua, then at that time especially He is very near. And أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانِي Allah responds to the prayer when a person sincerely calls upon Him. فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ If they want to do the right thing at the right time, at the right place, then what should they do? Call upon Allah at every single step of the way. Every single step. You know, sometimes when you look at, when you reflect on the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ, for everything, there's a dua. Isn't it? It's amazing. For everything, there's a dua. I mean, before you eat and after you eat, when you eat at somebody's place who's invited you to eat, then there's a different dua. When you're wearing new clothes, there's a dua. When you're entering the washroom, when you're coming out, for every single thing that you do in your life, there is some dhikr, some dua that we learn from the sunnah of the Prophet ﷺ. Even when a person is extremely thirsty and hungry, at that time also there is a masnoon dua. So these days when we're hungry, when we're thirsty, when we're fasting, there's a specific dua that we can make. Inshallah, I'll share that with you. I just learned about it yesterday. And I was amazed that the Prophet ﷺ really called upon Allah at every single step. And this is why you see that He is the most successful, the most successful man that ever walked on this earth. And I can say that very confidently. Look at him in how he dealt with his enemies. His enemies became his friends. Those who opposed him, those who hated him, began loving him the most. Those who wanted to kill him were ready to sacrifice their lives in order to protect him. Imagine, look at him in his family, that how successful of a husband he was. Imagine a man who had multiple wives and every wife felt very special. A very successful father, a very successful friend, a very successful leader. Whatever he did, he was successful at that. Whatever he began, he accomplished that. Bi'idhnillah. Why? Because he remembered Allah at every step. He asked for Allah's guidance in everything that he did. And this is the reason why he was the most successful. So لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ If we want to be rightly guided, if we want to be successful, then we have to ask Allah, not just after our prayers, not just in our salah, but every day, everything that we're doing. Yes. There is an article in Time magazine of the 100 most successful people of all time. Yes. And Muhammad Salah says, 
Yes. That if you look at it, there are many books, many articles that have been written about people who have been successful. And at the top, many times, even non-Muslims, they read, who is it? It's Muhammad wasallam. Politically, I mean, in every, in every way that you could ever imagine, he was successful. And even amongst the companions, everyone thought that the Prophet ﷺ loved him the most, gave him the most attention. How successful he was. Because he prayed to Allah. So if we want to be successful in anything, in everything, then we have to ask Allah every step of the way. لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ Let's listen to the recitation. وَإِذَا سَأَلَكَ عِبَادِي عَنِّي فَإِنِّي قَرِيبٌ أُجِيبُ دَعْوَةَ الدَّاعِ إِذَا دَعَانَ فَلْيَسْتَجِيبُوا لِي وَلْيُؤْمِنُوا بِي لَعَلَّهُمْ يَرْشُدُونَ I remember I heard this uh, story about a person who was saying that once he and some accident happened and his hand was uh, paralyzed, meaning he couldn't use his hand for anything. And this person, he used to love to write. And imagine if you love writing and your hand is not working, can you imagine how hard that would be? How useless you would feel? That I can't write anymore? I cannot even lift up a pen? I cannot even write a single letter, a single word. And he made dua to Allah that, Ya Allah, please, please restore my hand. Give me my hand back, please. And he made dua and his hand was functional again. And it's a miracle. And you will hear about so many people, so many people who have gone through things in their lives when doctors have said, that's it, we can't help you. And... That person survives. They get their health back. It's a miracle. Because ultimately, all power is with who? With Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Who can change the situation for you completely? Only Allah. So when Allah is the only one who can help you, then call upon Him. And don't forget to call upon Him. Because we will call people, we will ask them, but we will not make dua from Allah. And in the hadith we learned that the most ajiz, the most weakest of all people is the one who cannot lift up his hands in dua. How hard is it really to lift up your hands and pray to Allah? It's not that hard. And if a person does not do that, then it means he is the most incapable, the most weakest of all people. That is his reality. Now, in this ayah we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that I respond to the call of the caller when he calls upon me. I respond to the call of the caller when he calls upon me. There's one thing that we should remember over here, that Allah responds to our prayers in different ways. Because a person might say that I've been making dua, but I'm not getting it. You know, I'm not getting what I want. person might say I want to get married and I've been making dua since five years and there's no scene of getting married. A person might say, I want to have children and I've been making dua for so long and there's no zina having any children. I mean, what's happening here? I'm making dua. Allah says, إِذَا دعاني, I'm so sincere in my prayers. I honestly make that dua, but still I don't see what I want. Because we should remember that Allah responds to our prayers in different ways. One of the ways is that Allah gives us 
what we want, what we're asking Him for. When? Sooner or later. It could be very soon that the moment you think, Ya Allah, I'm hungry. And you turn around and somebody brings you a packet of chips or something like that. It could be very quickly. And it could also be after thousands of years. Like Ibrahim salam, He made dua that, Oh Allah, send amongst my offspring a prophet who will teach them, who will guide them, who will recite unto them your verses, who will purify them. And when was that dua accepted? Several thousand years. Okay? So Allah will respond to your prayer. The one way is that He will give you what you want sooner or later. But it's up to Him when He wants to give that to you. Right? Another way is that Allah will not give him what he wants, but instead some difficulty or some evil, some harm that was on its way to that person will be averted. So for example, a person is making dua, asking Allah that, Ya Allah, I want, I want money. Make me rich. Okay. He's making dua again and again. And he doesn't see any sign of that. I mean, he's working, but it's the lowest possible paying job. And he cannot get any other job anywhere else. And he's trying. It's not that he's not making an effort. He's making an effort. He's making dua as well. But because of his duas, what happens? Allah averts some difficulty from him. That suppose this man was going to end up in a terrible accident. But because of his prayers, because of his duas, Allah removed that difficulty from him. So... He ended up in an accident, but he came out of it unhurt. Doesn't it happen? Doesn't it happen? That sometimes a person is in an accident and he walks out of it completely fine. Nothing goes wrong. He's not even scratched on his body. Sometimes it happens that something hits you just close to your eye. Literally it missed the eye by a few millimeters. If it was even a few millimeters here, it would have gone into your eye and that's it. So these difficulties are removed. Why? Because of a person's making dua to Allah. Right? Another way in which Allah responds to our duas is that Allah saves the reward for that. For when? In the hereafter. So remember that dua is an act of worship. So whenever you make dua, it doesn't go waste. You are actually worshipping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala when you're making dua. So for that, Allah will save the reward when? In the hereafter. But you might say, but no, I want the answer now. You know, I'm doing other things to get reward in the hereafter. I want something right now. That's why I'm praying to Allah. But you know what? On the day of judgment, people will wish that none of their duas were accepted. All of their du'as were saved for the day of judgment so that they were rewarded on that day. And also, sometimes it happens that when our du'a is not accepted immediately, in the sense that we don't see the result immediately, then we continue to make du'a. We're remembering Allah as we're sitting, as we're driving, as we're cooking, as we're eating, as we're getting into bed, as we're waking up. We are making du'a all the time. And suppose that dua was answered immediately. Would you remember Allah in the same way? Nope. You wouldn't. So, 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decides how He wants to respond to our du'as and however He responds to our prayers, it is best for us. It is in our best interest. Because Allah, He is al-wadud. He is the one who loves. He is al-rahim. He is the merciful one. So we can only expect a good decision from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our favor. So ujibu da'wata da'i idha da'an. One thing that we must remember is that sometimes our du'as may not be accepted because they are not correct. Because we should not be asking for such things. Alright? For example, a person is saying, Ya Allah, make me sick so that all my sins can be forgiven. Because when you're sick, then your sins are forgiven, right? Tahur. It's a means of purification. But Allah does not respond to that du'a. Likewise, a person says, Ya Allah, I want to get married to this person. And they're making du'a, and then they find out that person married somebody else. You're like, oh my God, what happened here? Well, that person was not good for you. He is a good person, she is a good person, but not good for you. Likewise, a person wants to go to a particular university, study over there, and they apply, but they don't get admission. So, it was best for them. Alright? So sometimes it happens that what a person is asking for, it's not good for him. It may be something good, but it's not good for him in his life, in his situation. Now, sometimes what happens is that people say, oh, I don't know what's really good for me and what's really bad for me, so that's why I don't make dua. You know, whatever is meant for me will come to me anyway, so I don't make dua. No, we should make dua. Because Allah tells us to make dua. وَقَالَ رَبُّكُمُ دُعُونِي أَسْتَجِبُ لَكُمْ Allah says, call upon me and I will respond to you. And the thing is that if you don't make dua, and whatever is written for you will come to you anyway, but do you get the reward of making dua then? No. Are you performing that act of worship? No. And dua is a means of, of having friendship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If you don't pray to Him, how can you have friendship with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? How can you have that close connection with Him? You cannot have that. So we should make dua anyway. A hadith tells us that the Prophet ﷺ said, the dua of the servant will be accepted as long as he does not supplicate for what includes sin. For what includes sin. So a person makes, oh, Ya Allah, I want to go to that concert. Please, please, please. I want to go to that concert. Uh, that dua is not accepted. The parents come home early, so you're not able to go. Okay. So as long as he does not supplicate for what includes sin, or cutting the relations of the womb. And a person says, Ya Allah, I don't like my relatives, please take me away to another country, to another city. Let me just get married, you know, somewhere else, so I can move away from all this drama. Right? So it's cutting relations of the wombs, so that dua is not accepted. And as long as he does not become hasty, as long as a person does not become hasty, so the people ask that, Oh Messenger of Allah, how does one become hasty? The Prophet ﷺ said that a person says, I prayed and I prayed but I do not see that my prayer is being accepted. This is being hasty. Think about it. The Prophet ﷺ, how long did he stay in Makkah after his prophethood? Thirteen years. Were those thirteen years easy? No. What do you think he would have been asking Allah for? Ease, relief, success, freedom. Correct? 
But when was he given that? Towards the end of his life. After almost 20 years. Right? So we become hasty. When we start making dua to Allah, we want that we are responded to immediately. But like I said earlier, it's up to Allah when He wants to give you what He has decided. So we should not become hasty. If we become hasty, then our dua will not be accepted. When it comes to prayers, when it comes to salah, okay, and you're making dua to Allah in your salah, so for example in your sujood, in your rukur, then that dua has to be in Arabic. Okay? Because salah is a ritual act of worship. And a ritual act of worship has some certain rules. So all the rules is that it has to be in Arabic. But you say, I don't know Arabic, and I want to say a dua that's not Muslim, but it's my personal dua, then how should I say it? Just be silent, don't pronounce anything, and say it in your heart. Allah is qareeb, He can hear you anyway. Okay? And make dua afterwards. And also remember that when we perform an act of worship, when we do something good, and we make dua right after that, then chances are that that dua will be accepted. Okay? Chances are that that dua will be accepted. إِلَيْهِ يَصْعَدُ الْكَلِمُ الطَّيِّبُ وَالْعَمَلُ الصَّالِحِ يَرْفَعُهُ Good deeds, they raise the good words. Meaning, the dua. So, when you perform a good deed, then always make dua at that time. And you see where this ayah is mentioned? Right in the middle of the verses about fasting. Because when a person is fasting, he is constantly engaged in an act of worship. Constantly. You know, you're praying salah, you pray for 10 minutes, those 10 minutes were spent in worship. But when you're fasting, from the time of suhoor till the time of iftar, you are in an act of worship. So that is the time to make dua. Especially when? Especially at which time? Before breaking the fast. Before iftar. That is the time to make dua. And you see that over here. Dua is mentioned with fasting. So whenever we do something good, make dua after that. And another thing that we should do is that after we study the Qur'an, after we recite the Qur'an, at that time also, we should make dua and not waste those precious moments. You've been studying Qur'an for an hour, for two hours. You've been reciting Qur'an for so long. Then before you get up and start checking your phone and talking to other people, just take a few seconds even, 15 seconds even, and just make dua at that time. Okay, let's continue.